Hi, you guys, and welcome back to Talking Smack. Today, I have my friend Whitney here, and I'm super excited to talk to you about all the different things. But if you want to introduce yourself, tell us what you do, where we can find you. Yeah, longtime fan, first time uh, interviewed. <laughs> uh, my name is Whitney Popa. I am a writer and communications consultant. I live here in Edmonds. I have for the past four years, and you can find me everywhere at Whit Popa. I love consistency, and my my company is called Pope and Associates which we can get to why it's called that. Um, and that's just popeandassociates.com. And can I tell our origin story before we yes, get into it? Please. Okay, Because I fangirled so hard over Connor's episode. That's why I'm a longtime fan. <laughs> and I've listened to every episode. I just love that you're doing this. Uh, Connor was the one that kind of introduced us mm -hmm. because I did a call for our podcast. And I was like, who should I interview? And he commented saying you and was had a comment about how great you were. And I had seen some of your stuff, but I hadn't ever introduced myself. And then I was looking at all your reels and I'm like, oh my God, she's so cute. And my friend Sam had recently scheduled this weekly walk with me. It was maybe our first or second. So I was DMing with you of mm -hmm. like, let's get you on our podcast to talk about your life, your business. And then let's meet in person since we're so close. So I invited you to the walk and the rest is history, mm -hmm. but it's Connor who did it. I know. So I was like, I just, I have to just run up and hug him sometime. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. No, I think that's so cool. And honestly, like when you asked me to come to the walk, I almost didn't come. And I almost was like, oh, I don't know. I'm nervous. Like Sam and Whitney are so cool. And like, I obviously you had talked about Sam. So I had followed her and I was looking at all of you guys' things. And I was like, I don't want to intrude on their walk. I don't want to be like, I don't know. I was like, I don't want to intrude. And now after the first walk, I was like, okay, you guys can't get rid of me now. Like, can I come next week? Yeah. And we've been doing that since like, or I've been a part of the Tuesday morning walk since what? February. February. Last year. So, and we've only year? missed a few weeks. Yeah. Every Tuesday. It's my favorite day of the week. Yeah. And that was a big thing for me in my business and giving myself permission to take that time. Mm -hmm. Because I think you joined maybe on our second walk ever. And it's kind of this group that we keep to ourselves. Yeah. It's not like a people can be invited <laughs> sort of thing. Tight but group. Yeah. It just became this cool thing. And it was a first step for me in giving myself permission. I think we were in this similar place in our businesses in that way of like, oh, I can be away from mm -hmm. the business for like an hour. And if somebody emails me, it's not going to be this thing where I feel all anxious and spun up about not getting back to them. Mm -hmm. So it was a gift that I was giving to myself in a bigger way than I knew then. And I mm -hmm. was so glad when you wanted to join. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's so huge too, because as a business owner, it's so hard writing your own schedule and allowing yourself to take that time away. Because I feel like most of us think I have to be working 24 seven to make this thing run mm -hmm. and make it successful and keep it going. And I feel like that's really hard when you go from a corporate setting into owning your own business because there's no 
timeline for you. There's no schedule set for you. There's no specific tasks that need to be done in any order, at least for me now in that way. So sometimes it's hard for me to kind of categorize, okay, what's of utmost importance? What needs to be done first? But I know that you went from a corporate setting to working for yourself. What was that like, that kind of mindset of, okay, I don't want to do this anymore, or I need to be doing something different for myself that I'm excited and passionate about? And what was that like? Yeah. So I'm a shitty ass boss to myself. Like that's just facts. And I have a few people who support me now and I'm like, oh, wow, I'm so great with them. And I don't like micromanage at all because I hate being micromanaged. And then Mm -hmm. here I am like having to convince myself to take a day off, which when I was in all my corporate jobs, I um I'm going to swear a little bit. Is it cool if I swear? I was like, oh, fuck this place. Like, <laughs> I'm taking my like yeah. baby moon in Hawaii, like mm-hmm. turn off my email, take it off my phone. And now I'm like refreshing when I get stressed out. Mm-hmm. And so I have to work through my own um, feelings around running my own business and making it work for us. But when I was in college, I had a lot of I ended up majoring in English after wanting to be a dentist, which is Mm -hmm. hilarious because my grandfather's a periodontist. He went to UW and he was – I always thought it was cool that he made people have like beautiful smiles Mm -hmm. and I was good at science. I was good at school. Mm -hmm. So I was like, maybe I'll be a dentist. And then I hated Chem 101 and I was like, I am just going to major in things that I like and I love to read. I love to write. My grandma had said I was a good debater, so maybe I should – be a lawyer. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'll do English and poli sci. By the time I graduated college, uh, it was 2008, which was like one of the worst possible times to graduate mm-hmm. college. And I'd had this family in my ear my whole life saying, get a real job, like, you know, go down this path. And I'd always been smart and done the things that you do. Mm-hmm. And so I went out and tried to get a job. And I thought at the time, like, I only completed my major in poli-sci because I uh, took statistics. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I took stats. And that kind of sucked. It was like easy-ish. But like, I'm, you know, not – math isn't my favorite, even though I'm really good at it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I took stats. Let me just finish this poli-sci degree. But I want to do English and be a writer. I want to sit and watch people walk around – in my sweatpants Mm -hmm. and I want to write about them. Mm -hmm. That was like my original goal. And I didn't think that was very realistic, even though I do now. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, Seattle Magazine, that's my Harvard. I'm going to go into Seattle. They don't pay these internships, first of all. Mm -hmm. I think they do now. But I went and got an internship at Seattle Magazine for free and moved to Seattle. I was living in Idaho. Mm -hmm. That's where my family's from. And I graduated and immediately moved to Seattle to pursue this new Harvard that I had. Mm -hmm. And because I needed money, I wasn't like some kid that just could do that. Mm -hmm. I taught the SAT on the east side. So I was Mm -hmm. living in Seattle, riding the bus over to Kirkland six days a week to teach these high schoolers standardized test skills while I like wrote for the magazine. And then they were like, print is dying, blah, blah, blah. And we would write all of our stories based on press releases. So I was like, oh, PR, like my school, you went to WSU for a minute, which has a great program. I'm, I was at Idaho right next door mm-hmm. and ours isn't like a program that people know about. So like 
in my sorority, we were people would have the tests and like know the answers to the tests for mm-hmm. the like advertising program, which PR is part of. So it wasn't like a cool thing to do, in mm-hmm. my opinion. I was like, if I can write, I can write about anything. So I didn't even know that PR was a thing mm-hmm. at the time. And then when we got all these press releases, I was like, oh, the story starts there. So I was like, now I'll be in PR and it'll be like Devil Wears Prada, but Mm -hmm. PR and I'll have this corner office and I'll like be so cool and Mm -hmm. rise to the top of the ranks. So my first like sexy job in PR was working for Xbox and that's where Mm -hmm. I was for four years. In that time, two things happened. I was sitting at my cubicle one day and I feel like I got this download, like I'm very spiritual woo, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. And it was, I just wrote out this list on a sticky note and it was agency, which is, I was at a PR agency. Microsoft was our client. And then it was in-house, which means you become the client. Mm -hmm. So I was writing these things out of my head, out of nowhere, just agency, in-house, startup, consultant. Mm -hmm. And then I put that list away and was like, okay, that's my path. Like I, and then a couple years, probably three years into my job, everybody thought it was so cool that I did um, PR for Xbox. And it was, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like something I was super into. I'm not like a huge gamer. Right. I love Mario Kart. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my dad got sick and he was diagnosed with brain cancer. I actually got the call from my mom when I was at work and she asked me, are you sitting down? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, just yeah. tell me what you're, you know how you can get with your mom. Like, mom, come on. Yeah. And so she told me while I was at work and I was like, I don't know what to do with this. Mm-hmm. And I had a great manager at the time. So I went and told him and he was like, just leave. And yeah. my dad was being, they were in the Tri-Cities. They had gotten the diagnosis because he kept losing his train of thought. Like he, he was the parks director and um, his boss was the mayor. So he would be on the phone with the mayor and just completely lose his train of thought. And he was telling my mom like, oh, that's really crazy Mm -hmm. and she said go to the emergency room because if you make an appointment then it'll be like days Mm -hmm. so he walked over to the emergency room in richland they said like you have brain cancer we need to operate on you right away and my mom was like no you don't we're getting a second opinion Mm -hmm. they put him in an ambulance drove him over the mountains to swedish we had the most incredible surgeon it was like two days later Mm -hmm. that and i think i had had that like channeled list before that time Mm because I was like halfway through my career at the agency and like everything kind of went crazy after that where I was like my family kind of blew up my dad had this huge surgery was recovering from cancer it's not a cancer that you just get rid of it's super aggressive Mm -hmm. so from that day I was already like my my family was no longer what I had always known I was Mm -hmm. like 24 trying to be cool and like fast track my career and be smart and do all the right things. And then all of a sudden everything kind of like blew up in my face. And so after that, the way that my team responded when I gave them the news that my dad was on hospice, they immediately moved me off the team and told me like, oh, we're doing this for you to give you more time with your family. And Mm -hmm. that's not really like the move in my opinion, Mm because it was like, we're doing this for you, but we're not asking you like what yeah. you need or want. So after that, I was like, I'm getting the fuck out of this place. Mm-hmm. I just have to get a new job. Yeah. So it took me like a year and my whole 
life, of course, everybody in this area had wanted to work for Nordstrom. Mm -hmm. So I applied for Nordstrom any opportunity that I had, yeah. <laughs> like even when I was interning all of those times. And I finally like got a hit on one of my applications. So by that time I was doing a uh, joint social media and PR. That was my mm -hmm. whole career. I was in this kind of cool hybrid role because nobody knew what to do with social media at that time. Yeah. And I had started when I was interning after the magazine for PR agencies. Mm -hmm. And they were like, just give it to the intern. We don't know how to run Twitter. <laughs> yeah. So I always ran the Twitter. I still run Twitters. It's like what I was one of the OGs, I guess, mm -hmm. of um, social media. So somehow the Nordstrom Rack team, they were just starting their social media presence. Like my boss started our Instagram like a week mm -hmm. before she hired me. And it was just the two of us mm -hmm. doing Instagram. So by that time, I think I, I, it's, it's like one of those things that you kind of dissociate where I'm like, Oh, like 25 was tough for me, mm -hmm. but I had gotten that new job. I think right before, after my dad died, it's like mm -hmm. crazy that I can't remember that right yeah. now. But, um, that was a huge gift to me to get out of the agency and move into something that I really cared about because I mm -hmm. loved my work, but I didn't love the, I didn't love Xbox. Mm -hmm. So once I finally got into like fashion, it was way more fun for me. Mm -hmm. And I was working with influencers, doing our social media, going to new store openings, getting media trained. Mm -hmm. And it always became these jobs where that was the beginning of my track of like, oh, there's one thing that's like majorly off in every job. So mm -hmm. the first one, love the culture. Loved the work, didn't love like the client because mm -hmm. I wasn't a huge gamer. Then I went and I loved the work, but the culture was completely opposite. Mm -hmm. Super old school. Great that they turned the lights off at five, but sometimes I had things to do. Mm -hmm. um, very rigid. I couldn't move quickly. Like you and I were both um, mm -hmm. human, human design manifesting generators 2-4. We got to mm -hmm. move quickly, yeah. be efficient get out there, get it done and move on. Mm -hmm. And that's not really what you can do in like a big, it's like turning the Titanic big ship mm -hmm. like Nordstrom. So I lasted there about two years and then the startup came. My manager who mm -hmm. is actually sitting with me when I got the news about my dad, he recruited me into a cooking startup in mm -hmm. Pike Place Market. And so I went over to Pike Place Market to work at this startup. It was incredible. It was like mm – -hmm. Disneyland. They had funding mm -hmm. from this big fancy investor who was a video game guy <laughs> and they could do whatever they want. They mm -hmm. were creating content videos all day, every day. I was media trained from Nordstrom, which to go back to that was like so fun and sexy while I was doing mm -hmm. it. Like we were flying all over the country. We were That's opening so cool. stores. We were playing with influencers. We were taking them out to dinner. We were running these awesome programs that got us huge followings on social media. It was like the time to mm -hmm. be at Nordstrom, it felt like. And then when I was at the startup, that was also this like cool Disneyland too, where everybody was super in their own zone of genius. Like we had two video editors who were just incredible and that's all they did. Like mm -hmm. I was the social media manager and influencer manager. And then our photographers, our chefs, everybody was so inspirational. And then they laid me off <laughs> like 10 months into it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Which you, they do at startups. Yeah. But as 
as startups are, it was emotional. It was messy. It was mm-hmm. crazy. I got into my Uber after I got laid off and I was bawling my face off oh. because I wasn't expecting it. Like imagine it's like one of those movie things. I'm standing in Pike Place Market, bawling, getting like waiting for my Uber. I get in and he's like, oh, it's going to be okay. Like I have my like whatever it is, his W-2 from driving Uber. He's like, I make like six figures doing this. (laughs) He handed it back to me. And I was like, oh, well, you know, there's always Uber, right? Just carries around his W-2 with him. Yeah. I don't, it was. He's recruiting people to Uber. Yeah. It was like March or something. But yeah, I didn't expect to be. Even though there were like looking back a ton of signs, I didn't expect to be laid off. Mm -hmm. My husband and I had gotten married maybe the year before. It was Mm -hmm. like the job I used to change my name because I had to be forced into like, what name do you want to put here? So it was like one of those transition times in my life. And then I got like huge scarcity mindset and was like, it it was amazing to see how much ego I had wrapped Mm -hmm. into work and how I define my worth through work and always Mm -hmm. being a performer, always productive. Yeah. mm -hmm. Always getting the good, cool, sexy jobs. And when I was early on in my career in Seattle too, everything was like so tech that Mm -hmm. for me to have these more like business to consumer cool, like even Xbox was more of a consumer thing. Mm -hmm. So it was rare, all the jobs that I was getting and, um, they made me feel really good Mm -hmm. and I kept getting more money every time I got a new job. So it was just, I felt like I was on this trajectory and then it was like, and I was Mm -hmm. smacked down to earth. And, um, for those six months that I was on unemployment, I mean, I had to go to the stupid, like write your resume class (laughs) at the community college. I was like, I'm, I write things. You're like, I am a writer. Yeah. This is what I do. And you're like critiquing my resume. I would get like my hackles all up when she emailed me her feedback. I was like, like, I don't need help here. (laughs) You're like, I can help everyone in this class. What are you talking about? But it took me six months to get like another job. Mm Mm-hmm. And in that time, I had all these crazy interviews. I was like trying to decide if I was depressed about it or not. Mm -hmm. I was like working on getting pregnant. Mm -hmm. So I would walk and down the street and get acupuncture treatments and try to like chill out. But I was Mm -hmm. never chill. No. And then I got a job at Amazon where I was helping them with like their drone delivery system Mm -hmm. for a couple months. And the whole time, like I always was getting in trouble or doing something in my jobs that like I would get feedback on. Like I didn't do enough exclamation point smiley faces in my emails Mm -hmm. internally. I didn't – I would like push for Nordstrom Rack to be in the news when like Nordstrom, we only do reactive media. We don't do proactive media. Mm -hmm. So all these things I would get like my hand slapped along the way. Mm -hmm. And – but I didn't know any different. So I was like – I just need another job. I need someone else to tell me I'm cool and I'm mm-hmm. and I'm smart yeah. and I'm worth it. And um, then my first day at Amazon, I found out I was pregnant. So mm-hmm. that was interesting. <laughs> and I realized that I never would get the job there that I could get benefits from mm-hmm. because it was before there were like longer benefits from the state in Washington. So then I had more decisions to make of like, what do I want to do with my life? Like, what do I want my kids to see? And that's Mm -hmm. where the seed was kind of planted for me 
but I also still wanted a job. Right. So I went to Jean Juarez during that time thinking like, oh, well, my Amazon job was a contract job. This will be something that's more long term and maybe they'll like be nice to me and give me benefits. And that was not the case. I was like when I worked until the day I gave birth, mm -hmm. I had to like reveal myself to HR at one point because I was hiding my pregnancy and my boss told me like you need to go reveal yourself. That's oh my how she <laughs> My belly like was like a getting, magic trick. Yeah, my belly was getting too big to hide. But yeah, her terminology and granted, like she's from Quebec, so I kind of forgave. Like maybe it's a language thing. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I just I had an office then. I had made it, mm -hmm. and I was sitting there crying because I felt like the way that they talked to me about my pregnancy and my options were was very like clinical, like. This is what you get if you deliver this way. This is what you get if you deliver this way. Non-negotiable. That's it. Unpaid. Instead of looking at it like, what do I feel like is right for me and my body? Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, this other person is telling me what I can and can't do. Yeah. My corporate Ooh. experience was always about like the business. Like mm -hmm. they – and it is. Business I mean, came their, first. Yeah, it's their business. So it's always about the bottom line. And – um that's when I started – I like to call it like cheating on my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. So I started dabbling and I was like, let me see. Like even at Nordstrom, we were so butt in seat and we were flying all over the country and doing social media. And I was like, why when I'm here are you making me sit here mm -hmm. so I can be visible to show you that I'm working? Mm -hmm. This makes no sense to me. So there were things that I would bring up that they would just be like, you need to stop talking. Because it is how it is and yeah. that's that. There was at one point I said something when I was there of like, um, I don't like the way that you do reviews. There's no opportunity for us for 360s. There's no opportunity for us to review like people in more senior positions. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, that's the way we've always done it. We'd have to bring it up to the brothers. <laughs> and I was like, so bring it up to the brothers. And <laughs> they, they were like, they just stared at me like, this is like, we're saying this and that means no. <laughs> but to me I was like okay like how do I contact the brothers yeah. and ask them can I please have their emails yeah so yeah I got to Jean Juarez I worked until the day I gave birth because I didn't have any benefits I um birthed my child and then I decided I wasn't coming back mm -hmm. and I didn't know what my company was gonna be all I knew was that I had one goal and that was to make half my salary mm -hmm. because I would be giving half my salary to the daycare anyway mm -hmm. that got more time off than I right. did. That is so – like I love hearing your whole story and thank you for sharing all of that with us because I can't even imagine how hard that was hearing about your dad and then having your job be like, all right, you're removed and just looking at how some, hopefully not all, but some corporate – you know, environments actually treat their employees. And instead of looking at like, okay, this is a human and let's have a conversation, see what's right for her and how she feels. And like, cause sometimes too, I feel like anytime I've gone through some sort of big life event, sometimes I'm like, no, my work like helps me kind of yeah. take my mind off of it or go into that. And I feel like being given the option would have been hell of a lot better mm -hmm. <laughs> or just them having a conversation with you to talk about it. Yeah. And um, so when you did go out on your own after you had Oliver, how did that – what did that look like? 
like what was your schedule like or what did you feel like did you know you always wanted to do copywriting for other people or did you did you lean into the PR part of it or social media management and I know we've talked about this a little bit before but did you have a favorite piece of it or what are you focusing on now after two babies mm-hmm. and what does your business look like now yeah So I took the things that I loved from my jobs to create my business, like that knowledge of like, I'm flying all around the country doing these cool things. I can do them from anywhere. So Mm -hmm. I started with social media and PR, mostly like influencer management, that kind of like gray area that puts them all together. Mm -hmm. I still love influencers. Like I consider you an influencer. So I'm like, Mackenzie, (laughs) let's get you this club. Anyway, that's like what I loved doing and especially thinking of it for them as like supporting their small businesses and Mm -hmm. have it be this like symbiotic thing that benefits both parties. I've always been super passionate about that, especially because we were the ones that pioneered the influencer programs like Mm -hmm. at Nordstrom, like the full line stores took a lot of like us as this learning platform for them because they were like, you guys go out and do it and we'll see like if it works and then maybe we'll adopt it here. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of cool in that way. Like we were a little startup within Nordstrom, but I I have a great friend and I always think back to like our manifesting generator two fours, like the community thing. Mm -hmm. When I look back on my business, so the two four is that I call it like, Sam would say it differently, but I call it like a community-driven hermit. Like I like to be Mm -hmm. home, but I like my community. I like to have them when I want them sort of thing. Every client that I've had has come through my community. Mm -hmm. And knowing that about myself and that I don't have to go out there and like cold call to get somebody to be my client because it's not going to work for me Mm -hmm. has been really great. So being out there and talking to people, my friend, one of my best friends, he was in my wedding his boyfriend at the time was working at Sir Latab. And I think we met briefly at my mm-hmm. birthday party. I had a 30 going on 13 birthday party. I so love that. He was there and he, I don't know if he even knew what I did, mm-hmm. but he was like, Yeah, we need someone at Sir Latab. And it was like, I was 37 weeks pregnant. So I had been reaching out to people responding to like Craigslist ads. That's Mm -hmm. how I got my first client actually that just went away. So that's been over five years that I had this Twitter that I was managing from a Craigslist ad. Yeah. And then he came in and was like, hey, we need help at Sir Latab. So I actually was talking to them before I gave birth, which is what gave me Mm -hmm. like – it made me brave enough to be like, no, I'm not coming back. And they yeah. had said, you cannot work from home. Like, this is not the type of place where you could. And to be fair, it's not really. But then they tried to let me mm-hmm. after I was like, well, I quit. Yeah. <laughs> I brought the baby in. I was like, hey, everyone, this is my baby. And my boss was like, oh, you look so much skinnier. It's <laughs> like, yeah, no shit, right? Oh. And then I was like, by the way, I quit. <laughs> or I'm not going back. By the back. way, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then – I had to, with Sir Latab, they were asking me, like, you have to have an LLC. And I said, I don't know what to name it. And you can go on the website and you – I think – I can't even remember what I wanted to name myself first. But I typed it in. It was taken. Mm -hmm. And they had a couple suggestions. So I was like, oh, Pope and Associates, I'll just take that. Mm -hmm. And then my business was born. My son, they were pretty slow to onboard me at at Sir Latab. So my son was like – three months old when Mm -hmm. I, it was July of uh, 2017. 
that I officially started. And then I had this one big client and one small client. So mm-hmm. I felt like I was a business. I had two mm-hmm. clients. And then I would just – I was in a couple of Facebook groups where, again, I responded to things. Part of our strategy is responding to mm-hmm. opportunities from our community, however they present, if we're interested, of course. And um, so – responding to one of those ads was it was a girl who was becoming a hypnotist she Mm -hmm. had been like the go-to small business social media person in seattle Mm -hmm. and she was like i need someone to refer new inquiries to so then i had three clients and it just Mm -hmm. kind of went like that Mm -hmm. and i never i maybe announced it somewhere and i was really impressed and surprised how many people came out of the woodwork to be like oh, I want to bring you clients. Mm -hmm. And I'd never thought about that. So for the first two years, I didn't have to think about or market my business at all. Mm -hmm. And then I got pregnant with our daughter. Serlatov was getting to a point. I find that like for social media, at least previously, we would build these accounts to get multiple hundreds of thousands, usually around 200,000 followers. And then it would get to be too much, like Mm -hmm. too much ego, too many people wanting to have input into what we were doing. Mm -hmm. So then I would bow out around that point. And that's where we were at with Serlatov. So I kind of just leaned on faith and was like, I need to not do this once I have two kids. Mm -hmm. And in that time we had moved to Edmonds from Mm -hmm. Seattle too. So I, um, kind of was very chaotically anxious (laughs) while I didn't have as much work and looked for clients in Edmonds. And I found workhorse, Mm -hmm. which is a co-working space here. We opened March of 2020, which was Mm -hmm. terrible. But in that time too, that's when I was like, I'm getting kind of burnt out from social media and I always wanted to be a writer, like Mm -hmm. that little girl who wrote, like, I just want to sit on a bench in my sweatpants and write about people. I still want to be that. Yeah. So along that time, 2020 is when I started like kind of going on more of like really owning my, the way that I define higher powers and spirituality and all of that. Mm -hmm. And that's when I kind of leaned into like, no, you want to write long form. So do that. And I just Mm -hmm. decided it really can be that simple Mm -hmm. to just decide. Like even for you, you're like, I'm going to start this business. Nobody's telling you or giving you permission Mm -hmm. to be Mackenzie, the lash artist, Mackenzie, the entrepreneur. You have to decide. Mm -hmm. And once I told myself, like, there's no reason you can't do what you love doing and actually be a writer. Mm-hmm. And I just said, I'm a writer now. Mm-hmm. And Done. I have, yeah, easy. it was really that mm-hmm. easy. And then people were like, oh, I need that. Mm-hmm. And part of it for me too was that it was so easy. We've been so like trained to believe that work has to be hard. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, people will pay me to do this thing that I already know I love doing, but have like half leaned into and half resisted based on other people's opinions and advice that I was like, oh, shit, I'm just going to try that. Like, why don't I just try what I want to do now? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how my business has evolved over time too of like how – I mean, with the kids, there's always things to manage around that, of course. But as far as what I want to do and how I want to spend my time, I spend way too much time on my business to answer your question. Um. Because it's just – I my brain is always moving. My brain mm-hmm. is always like, what's next? What do you want to do? Ooh, how do you like find another like very vibey 
spiritual client or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just make these decisions and mm-hmm. then I just don't look back. Yeah. Do you feel like it's always been easy for you to make decisions in that way? Or do you feel like a series of events or like, you know, all of these different things within the corporate world got you to a point of being like, okay, you know what? I don't, I have anyone telling me what I can and can't do. Yeah. Like I get to decide now and mm-hmm. it's fun and I get to decide, I get to do the sexy things that I want to do mm-hmm. instead of feeling stuck in like the social media management and that like those other roles that weren't lighting you up anymore. And I think it comes back down to the manifesting generator and I don't even know if it's a two, four, I've not done as much research as you have. And we're actually going to have Sam on next month, but so I'm really excited to talk to her more about it, but you know, finding the things that light us up, because if we're doing the things that don't light us up, it's miserable mm-hmm. and I don't want to do those tasks mm-hmm. and I avoid them mm-hmm. and then things go undone. Yep. I always defined success through other people choosing me. Mm-hmm. And then I finally decided to choose myself. And that became a more like intentional decision this past year, even this past month. But before that, that's just how I define success. Like you get the job, you climb mm-hmm. the ladder. But then I hated having a fucking boss. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when they were like, there was a lot of like um, turnover people mm-hmm. would leave and then I would have a new boss and you have mm-hmm. to get used to that. It's like having a new teacher yeah. where you put your heading on the paper. And mm-hmm. I always wanted to do it right and get an A, but I started to realize like that I can define my own heading and mm-hmm. be my own boss. And I hadn't seen many other people do that. Right, I felt kind of like I'd gotten all these kicks in the pants by the universe along the way, like my dad, like getting sick and then dying, getting laid off, all these things that were like, are you ready now? Are you ready now? Mm -hmm. And I wasn't taking them until like, I always tell people like when I started my business, I did it for myself, Mm -hmm. but my son definitely kicked me in the uterus in the (laughs) way of like saying, what do I want to be for them? What do I want them to see? Mm-hmm. And I also like was a little insecure at the beginning because my husband has like a regular normal job. And so they see him go to a normal job and they see mom just like at the house, like replying to emails and being on her phone. Cause I'm mm-hmm. doing social media for people or whatever I was doing. And at first I was kind of like, Oh, um, how do I explain this to them? But then I realized, like, I don't have to. Like, they'll see, they'll figure it out, and they'll know that they can do whatever they want Mm -hmm. and that they can make up their own job. I just had that conversation with my son last week. He's Mm -hmm. in kindergarten now. And he was like – he got in the car and he said, "Um, work is hard or something. I was like – or who – I said, who told you that? Where did you see that? Because I was like, I love my job. I think it's pretty fun and easy Mm -hmm. overall. Like, they're – I have to use my brain, but it's mm-hmm. fun the mm-hmm. way that I do it. And I said, you could pick a couple things that you like and you can just make a job up out of them. Mm-hmm. And he was like, what? <laughs> and I said, what do you like? And he was like, he had just come from school and they are very focused on like the nearest memory. So he was like, I like PE and I like tech lab. So maybe I could be a PE teacher and a tech lab teacher. And I was like, you could, you mm-hmm. could do anything you want. And, mm-hmm. um, Over time, like 
my job has just really evolved with my family and it, I, I include them in it. I have a client on San Juan Island. When we go and visit, I take them with me mm-hmm. and I write blogs and newsletters for them about like 72 hours on San Juan Island with kids. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. And before I felt like I had to be one person at work and one person mm-hmm. in my life, I couldn't bring it all together. And that was the biggest intention for me with this job of like, I don't have a separate business account yeah. on my social media, even though everybody always told me to, because it it's all a part of me. Mm-hmm. I am the business. Right. And I do a lot of trainings with women too in their messaging when they are the business. Like you want to attract people like you potentially. Those are the people that you get along with, you vibe with, especially in more lifestyle businesses. So talk like you, be you. Mm-hmm. You do a good job of that on on all of your platforms already. Thank you. So it's like bring that. A lot of people think they have to present themselves a certain way and like mm-hmm. more formal outlets like their website. Yeah. And they don't. Mm-hmm. So that's where I've been evolving too of like helping to empower other business owners and especially women mm-hmm. to be themselves. Right. Do you have any like pieces of advice for people who are worried to be themselves or like that fear is holding them back from just showing up as themselves to be normal or feeling like, oh, I have an opinion that I want to share, but I don't think I can do this on my business page or I don't think, you know, or this is too personal. This is too behind the scenes. Like nobody wants to see this. And I think, I mean, to your point, talking about you are the business, Mm -hmm. I think leaning into that. But do you have any like words of encouragement or advice for anyone who's like holding themselves back? I believe that people buy from people. Mm -hmm. So if there, there are a lot of lash artists in Edmonds. I'm going to come to Mackenzie because I like Mackenzie. Mm-hmm. Uh, out of all the other ones, like there is someone in town who is better SEO, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so their website's yes. going to come up first. Mm-hmm. But people know Mackenzie. They know your team. They like you. They want to be in that energy. Mm-hmm. So there's tons of different writers out there. Why would they choose me? They like that I talk about wiping my kids butts on Twitter Mm -hmm. you know like I'm a real person Mm -hmm. and it can be scary to be vulnerable because Mm -hmm. it's a public outlet but you don't have to be super vulnerable it's even I'm working on a new workshop idea and I'm going to use my grandma Mm -hmm. as part of the inspiration like challenging people to think if you're writing your about page or your bio how would you describe your job to my grandma because mm-hmm. not everybody's grandma is still around, right? Yeah. Like my grandma, she she's feisty and she has a lot of questions for everybody and making it simple and having those fun little details of like she was being kind of morbid and she's like, well, my next bio is going to be my obituary and <gasps> oh nobody cares that I liked ice cream. <laughs> and I was like, grandma, I think they do care mm-hmm. that you liked mint chocolate chip ice cream. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be super vulnerable even for my grandma Mm -hmm. somebody reading the obituaries is gonna see like she was cool because she liked the same ice cream as me oh my gosh did you know that my dad reads the obituaries (laughs) he goes through and he reads the obituaries and i was like dad this is so morbid he goes oh this is so-and-so's grandfather or this is so-and-so's and And he'll like know people or oh this was Whatever. And I'm like, that actually made me think, I wonder if anyone's obituaries are like, wait, this is funny. Or like, this has personality. <laughs> yeah. Or I like felt like I could get to know this person through their obituary. I would hope so. 
Damn. That would actually be a fun workshop to write your own obituary as in like a goal setting perspective. Yeah. Like, what do you want to be known for? Or Mm -hmm. like when that day comes, hopefully when we're all 90 plus, like what are those things that are going to be important to us that our people are going to write about us? Yeah. And that's a great exercise to think about, like how you want to build your life and how you want to present yourself. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. That is so funny. But I think, I think, I think you're totally right. I think making it simple and like throwing in a couple of those fun things to really give personality so people can feel like they know you through a screen. Mm -hmm. And that was one thing I loved about your website. I remember when I wanted to hire you to rewrite our websites, I was looking at yours and I felt like I was just talking to you. Mm -hmm. I felt your personality. I, there was humor in there. And then you talked about your kids and just, I think you're exactly right when you say people buy from people and being able to humanize yourself and become relatable rather than trying to force this person or this picture of who you think you should be. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to keep that up. It's hard to be consistent with that. It's hard to show up in that way when it's not really who you are. Yeah. And I think you've done a really good job of that as well. And I love seeing you shoot baskets on your page and then talking about your kids or showing them, you know, at your other house, picking flowers and in the garden and seeing your daughter in her tutu and her boots and Mm -hmm. her pearls. And she's just in the garden with you guys. And I, I think it's, it's really cool to see that. And I think you've woven your kids into your business really well. And I don't know. I just, I think that's something that like one day I want to be able to do and knowing that like, okay, you really truly are the business. So nothing is off limits. Mm -hmm. You can talk about whatever you want to talk about. And I think, I think it's really cool to see how you've kind of integrated your life and your business together because it is who you are and being able to just see it all Mm -hmm. and not feel like, oh, I can't post this or I can't post my kids because, you know, this is my business page or so on and so forth. And I think so many people, thank you for all that, but like so many people use a lot of words and say nothing. Mm -hmm. And my, I believe that it's my mission to connect people through stories. And that can be just chatting with friends or in like a business sense of like with my clients. But I think story is the one thing that connects everybody so Mm -hmm so deeply. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. Is there anything about your story that you're writing now that you're excited about? Anything coming up? I'm really excited to see how my business evolves. I was just talking yesterday about how I feel so proud of all the community that we're building Mm -hmm. in different ways. Like I've finally been able in the past year to release myself from doing everything and ask for more help. Mm -hmm. And whether that's paid or not paid, like getting people on my support team in ways that really help me get out of my own way and almost rise out of my business a little bit has Mm -hmm. been really exciting for me. I'm bringing more writers on to support me. Mm -hmm. I'd love to have like a little mini writers agency Mm -hmm. and then kind of inspired by you and a lot of other people in the community of like, how do I do one to many things where I can teach more people about bios? Mm I had never even considered like Mm -hmm. putting on a workshop because I'm like, you know, those who cares to hear from me. Mm -hmm. And then um, I did one and it was like scary as shit. But like 10 people showed up and I was like, oh my God, they gave me money to like Mm -hmm. talk about 
pitching. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking more and more about how I can help more people. Mm -hmm. Um, I love my one-to-one retainer clients, but I also love like, Mm -hmm. okay, like let's have 20 people walk out of here with a a written bio that they feel good about. Mm -hmm. Bigger impact, Mm -hmm. helping more people. I see online courses in your future. I feel like if you did that too, I mean, even with the live webinars that you've been doing, I feel like those are the workshops. I feel like those are so cool, but I could see you just killing it with online courses. That well, the platforms are hard. The I platforms are playing with it. I'm like not a techie person. Even still, Nolan, I will sit down. I'm like, we need to adjust this. And I'm like, wait, okay, I think I've got it. Or like it's trying to be user friendly, but isn't as user friendly as one would hope, kind of thing. Yeah. But um, yeah. I mean, they're cool. It's such a good tool to have to be able to just be like, oh, here it is. Because I, mm-hmm. I feel like for me, now that I'm going off topic, I got so many of the same questions that I was like, I'm asked, answering this question all the time. Like I need to just make a mini course about it. Mm-hmm. And I think for most people, they can turn that into courses or into workshops yeah. and make it easier on them. I just started, I just finished a book, um, by another money coach and Mm -hmm. she was amazing. It's, I told you about it the other day. It's called chillpreneur. And one of the things that she was talking about was that question of like, you're answering this question all the time and giving your energy and expertise away, like for free, what's an easy, low hanging way that you Mm -hmm. can make that mutually beneficial. And I loved thinking about that because I'm a person like, because I am so community driven, I'm like, well, they asked me, so Mm -hmm. I'm just going to spend an hour like going back and forth with them on LinkedIn about them starting their business or go on the coffee date. And I always want to go on the coffee date. But when it's the same coffee date where you're really just asking me, should I start my business? And I'm like, you know that I'm here (laughs) to tell you yes. (laughs) But also you don't need my permission. Yeah. Like, yeah. Then I don't, I can't come up with a course for that. Like I'll still go on the coffee date. Mm -hmm. But um, generally with that kind of like brain picking Mm -hmm. energy, it can get really like, okay, how do I make this work for both of us and just send you a resource that Mm -hmm. can help you and save me time and then inspires some content from you too, which is great. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I love that you brought up like money coach. Cause I know you and I have talked about this back and forth and I have two books of yours now that I've borrowed, which I still have not picked up. Um, but about money, I feel like it's so fascinating. The subconscious beliefs we have surrounding money growing up and that stick with us that a lot of us, most of us, all of us should probably unlearn. Mm -hmm. And there's so many things that I think as a business owner, sometimes it's hard and it's easy to get into that scarcity mindset of things. And I'd love to ask you what your thoughts were leaving your cush job to be like, all right, I need to just make half my salary. What did that look like? Was there that like nervous energy there? And how have you kind of moved out of that and looked at things differently? The universe definitely provided for me in that because I never would have started my business if I had to have a plan, if I hadn't already had the, the, you know, side piece Mm -hmm. telling me like, let's go do this and backing me into this business that I'd wanted to do for years that was channeled in that list. Mm -hmm. So for me at the time I was only making like 75,000. So, Mm -hmm. and maybe that's a lot to people. It's all relative, Mm -hmm. but at the time, making half of that didn't feel insurmountable. Like I ran a few numbers and was like, if I make 
um, just a few thousand dollars per month, then I can easily do that and hang out with my child. Thankfully for mm-hmm. me, and I want to be clear, like my first baby was so chill and easy mm-hmm. that it, it if he weren't that way, I wouldn't have been able to start my business. I know a lot of people have harder babies and more difficult time. Everybody's different, but he just would sit in the swing forever. Mm-hmm. He, I breastfed, so he'd sit on the boob while I was yeah. on calls. Like it was easy because he made it that way and I decided yeah. that it would – that making – at the time I was like, okay, 35000 Is that right? That's not right. Um, 37 and a half? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, don't ask me to do math. <laughs> then I could – then I could justify it. And mm-hmm. then I made – that first year, I made more than I ever had in my, any of my corporate jobs. Mm-hmm. That's so, so cool. It was a big sign of like – and then I was like, oh, Maybe I should have done this sooner. Mm-hmm. But that's something I forgive myself for along the way too. Like you can't know what you don't know. You yep. have to learn along the way. But as far as money stuff, I feel like that's like therapy. It's mm-hmm. ongoing yeah. reconditioning for myself of saying that's not my story. Mm-hmm. Even like I held this belief that I was too expensive mm-hmm. because I was an only child. My parents said they didn't want to have two kids in daycare all the fancy California schools that I wanted to go to, they're like, how about U of I? Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've already applied you. You're already in. You have a full ride, basically. Yeah. So I was like, oh, like everything I do, it costs them a lot of money. So why don't I just like try to be less expensive? Mm. But I never thought like that's not your story. Right. And I recently put that down. So I'm really interested to see how life plays out for me now that I'm not carrying like oh, you're too much Mm -hmm. in that way. And I feel like you and I have talked about this before, like money or not, just like as a whole, something that we both have kind of felt and dealt with was like, you you are too much. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of quiet ourselves down sometimes and think like, oh, I don't want to be too much. I don't want to be too this. I don't want to be overwhelming to someone else. And I don't want to be whatever. Yeah, I have a lot of hot takes and I'm like, oh, shit, I just met that person. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's like, that's, it's tough. It's hard to like carry that with you of feeling like that borderline, like, okay, am I being myself or am I like toning myself down to fit whatever crowd I'm in or to Mm -hmm. fit what I'm doing on social media so I don't offend anyone or I don't, you know, outshine someone else. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's hard or at least for me in my perspective, like when I want to be excited about something in the business or when I want to be excited about different things like past relationships or just that thought of like, oh, I don't want to be too much. Like I feel like I can't celebrate. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's really – it's hard. And I feel like I'm unlearning all of those things now. Yeah. But – And becoming aware. Like when you pause to be like, oh, I'm having that feeling and you're able to identify it, and that's like not stuff that I would ever work on with a therapist because there I don't know that there's money mindset therapists. But for me, it's like through doing doing all that work to realize, oh, this is an this is an idea that I'm holding, but is it mine? Mm-hmm. And can I put it down? And that's been a huge release for me mm-hmm. um, with all the too muchness, yeah, especially with money. What about you and your money mindset? I can tell it's changed a lot. It's changed a lot. I feel like. After – so I read the Amanda Francis Rich as Fuck book and I feel like after that and actually doing the journal prompts, I started to realize all the subconscious b- 
beliefs that I had around money of like, okay, there's never going to be enough. I have to work super hard to make money. I have to like basically run myself into the ground to make what I want to be making. Mm -hmm. I feel like it just started to change over time for me to release that I have to work all the time to make money. And I still to this day have to kind of unlearn that a little bit. But I know that it's possible to create a business where I'm only working a handful of hours a week and it's sustainable and running on its own and I'm allowed to make boatloads of money. Yeah. And I think that was another thing for me is I felt guilty and I felt shameful for wanting to make a lot of money. And one, I think one of the prompts in the book said something like, me making a lot of money, what does that do for other people? Right. That's how women have to think about it. And so I started to look at it differently like, oh, I can pay people more. Mm -hmm. I can create more opportunity for other people. I can give back. I can donate more. I can do so many other good things that like it's okay for me to have money. Yeah. And it was a huge unlock for me reading that and hearing multiple people like all of these money coaches reaffirm that of Mm -hmm. like you're doing good for the world by making lots of money Mm -hmm. because I actually had this moment where uh when my dad died my mom remarried a few years later to a guy that she met on a work trip soon after my dad had died and he he's very affluent and she had told my grandma they were walking around the cemetery and my grandma they, they live in a very small town in eastern Washington and my grandma was like I, what's going to happen to all of us basically? And my mom was like, even if I run off and marry a California millionaire, I'll still be buried in Waterville. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then she met and married a California millionaire. He oh my gosh. owned a couple bus companies and he had a finance company for the bus companies. And he was very smart with his money. And he had this property in California where they built a wine cave into mm-hmm. the hill. And it was this epic, That's beautiful so cool. thing. Last year, they were having a birthday party for my mom in there. And um, I flew down. It was like the only my first flight like during COVID. And I was like, oh, it feels so weird to like be in the world. And But I'm the she was turning 65. I was the only one who really knew her. And I had to be there because mm-hmm. it was all their California friends. I was sitting across from this like, I'm sorry, George, if you're watching like this fat, like over tan white man <laughs> who was making the most like insane comments right across from me I could feel in my body like Mm -hmm. that I wanted to flee from there Mm -hmm. so bad or like punch him in the face and um that I I, it was like right before I met you or right after and was doing some of the Amanda stuff and I was like I want to be a rich fat white man Mm -hmm. but not actually those things but not just the rich part yeah Yeah. (laughs) So that my money can fight with yours because I know what you're donating your money to and I want to put my money in the opposite direction and more so that Mm -hmm. it's like overflowing in all these like beautiful ways that support people being people or however I'm going to allocate it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But at that moment, I was like, oh, shit, I want my money to be like bigger than his Mm -hmm. because right now he has more power than I do. And that's Mm -hmm. not cool because he's he sucks. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Yeah. I just remember being like, oh, I'm making another decision Mm -hmm. right now. And I was really scared. Like none of these things that like, oh, I just decided now I'm like going to go out and do that because I'm just like, oh, like 
CT on the challenge. Like I will work you, you know, like that's <laughs> mm-hmm. not how it feels in my body. But sometimes I just have to like make that mental decision of like, okay, activate this Whitney now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so cool too, is also realizing, understanding that you can continually rewrite who you are and who you want to be as you get older and you get to decide what habits you want to pick up. I feel like so often we think, or I hear people say, I am who I am. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, do you, is that who you want to be? Is that who you see yourself Mm -hmm. as forever? Or do you want to make changes and do you want to be proud of the person you are and you want to be excited about the person that you're becoming? And so it's cool to hear you say, like, I decided that yeah. that's who this Whitney was going to be. Or I hear people say, like, oh, I'm upgrading to my ne- next avatar. Like, oh, I like that. Changing my personality. This is my new avatar. Yeah. Or changing my Xbox habits. Stuff, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know exactly. That's what I was thinking about. And, like, mm-hmm. just knowing that you have the ability and the power to create the person you want to be. Mm-hmm. I think I've said that on, like, so like at least four of the past episodes but it's still so true and i'm yeah. like like i'm gonna end up on that soapbox on every episode but yeah and it, people need to hear it like how mm-hmm. many times i had to hear the same money stuff from different people in order to be like oh yeah that is a story that i'm telling myself that's not true mm-hmm. and like i'll just randomly be making coffees and have like a huge unlock moment mm-hmm. of like oh, I was carrying that and I didn't even know. Yeah. So it's that continuous work. And I mean, I am like a self-improvement junkie. Mm -hmm. My life changed when my mom asked for the secret for Christmas when Mm -hmm. I was in high school. And that's when everything kind of went like, oh, you get to decide and you get to make the space and create the list. I had a 75 thing list for my husband Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he like walked down like finance hill in seattle and into my life after he got kicked out of the bar at ozzy's but that's whatever (laughs) i love that story i think that's so cool and i think i think the power of our intentions and the the power of our mind is like unreal like i truly believe like what you think is what you attract Mm -hmm. and hearing you say that you wrote down all these things you wanted in a partner your life partner and in he came like Mm -hmm. i feel like once you start and i feel like that's something that i've started to intentionally do is like writing down those things in my journal of what i want because then you're starting to think about that. You're starting to pick up on those cues. You're starting to see that out in the world. Yeah. And I just think our minds are unreal. And so many people think it's cheesy or blow it off. And I'm like, what's the harm? That's mm-hmm. why I love doing vision boards. Because it's mm-hmm. like you look at what your subconscious is attracted to and what your hope is. And it can it can manifest differently for people. Like mm-hmm. I love a list. I also love a vision board. But people who are more visual, maybe they'll only do vision boards or have or speak it into their phones and Mm -hmm. listen back to these voice memos. It doesn't matter how you do it as long as you can take some time to get quiet and clear Mm -hmm. on what you want out of your life. And so many people, they don't want to make that space because it's scary. They don't want to look in the mirror. They don't want to think of what could be big and beautiful for them. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why that is for them. I know for me, like through family and culture and conditioning and all those things, but I really care to like push through and like explode and be the best Mm -hmm. that I can be for me Mm -hmm. and for my kids to see too. But Mm -hmm. it's always ultimately been for me. Yeah. 
But I feel like it it has to be for you, for you to actually make changes and make waves in the goals that you have and becoming the person that you want to be. But I think too, like even hearing you say that about like you want your kids to be able to see that because you want that for themselves. You want mm-hmm. them to be able to look at that and say, no, I'm doing this for me. Like yeah. I want to make these changes. I want to create these habits. And I think it's really cool to hear you talk about the way you talk to your kids or even hearing you say to your son, like who told you work had to be hard? Mm-hmm. Who told you that it it can't be fun and exciting and everything that you want it to be? Mm-hmm. And I just think that's so cool. And I hope one day I'm able to raise my kids that way and talk to them in that way that they know like they have the ability to create the life that they want. Yeah, you will. I'm an over communicator. So even when my, my son was a tiny baby and still in my belly, I would talk to him throughout our whole day. Like, this is what we're doing and why mm-hmm. I feel like kids, they feel so out of control and there's a lot of things that they do because they have no control. And I try to remember that and bring them along mm-hmm. so that they know, like, this is why we're doing it. And then to hear them like talk, to, the, the craziest thing is hearing them talk to each other mm-hmm. and parrot the things that you say to them. Like I'm very, noise polluted in my life right now. I'm an only child and I've been around people too much for Mm -hmm. my past 18 years. And so this year I'm kind of like taking my time back and having more like alone mommy time, like going to your trainer, doing Mm -hmm. things for me. And um, so sometimes when they get too chaotic and noisy, I'm like, you guys are making my ears bleed. And then I'll hear them like fighting with each other and they're like – Oliver, you're making my ears bleed. <laughs> I just die like hearing that That's out of a little so three-year-old. So funny. Yeah. I love that. I feel like that was kind of all the things I wanted to ask you and talk about. Is there anything you want to leave them with or anything you feel like, oh, I need you guys to hear this for me? Oh my gosh, that's like so deep. I know. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's broad. That's what she said. <laughs> um, I just want to really reinforce something that I've been learning of like going down these paths of like getting closer to your true self, like Mm -hmm. all the time. It's not bad to read the same message over and over. And you Mm -hmm. need to hear often you need to hear it over and over, like the money stuff or like Mm -hmm. you're worthy. And I try to tell people that all the time Mm -hmm. and even myself in the mirror, like I've started like Mm -hmm. looking in the mirror and hyping myself up, like, like you're a rock star. You got this. Like they're going to hear what Mm -hmm. they want to hear from you, but there's all, there's always going to be other inputs. Right. So making sure that you're saying the things to yourself that are meaningful and move you forward and coming up with different visions for what you want your life to look like in every direction. It's never a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Like what is, what could be bad about, having goals and writing Mm -hmm. them down and talking about them to the right people. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, something that I've really learned too, is like, find your tribe, know where you're safe to share Mm -hmm. some of your dreams and goals. Because telling my uncle that I want to just work for myself, he's like, you mean like on the lines in the cloud? Like, why would you do that? Like, Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of like discernment that goes into like, being your best best self Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day like you know best and it's all right here so Mm -hmm. um yeah I just want to reinforce all of your messages Mm -hmm. because having you as a person that reinforces that in my life like you are who you 
chill with, mm-hmm. it's taking all of us to the next level, I mm-hmm. think. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And especially here, like I want to echo you saying like it's okay to hear the same thing every day or need that same message. I have a reminder on my phone that comes up every day that says I am enough and I do enough Mm -hmm. because I have that subconscious belief that I'm not enough and that I'll never do enough to be enough. Yeah. And that's something that I need to hear every day. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. I have reminders pop up all the time to tell me I'm great. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, sometimes you need that. And same thing. I talk to myself in the mirror all the time. I used to have post-it notes on my mirror that I would have to read out loud to myself. Mm -hmm. And I, I think there's nothing wrong with that. And I think it's, I think it's awesome. Yeah. I think it's cool. I read one the other day that said, I serve, so I deserve. Ooh, and I was like, I love that. Snaps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll claim that one. Yeah, I so love good. That. Like Oprah would say, retweet. <laughs> retweet. <laughs> I love that. I just think of like, did you ever have um, Tumblr? Yes. And was it reblog? Yeah. You would reblog it? Okay, yeah. I remember that being like the original like retweet for me. Oh, yeah. That's re-blog. one of the highest forms of engagement. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Thanks for having me. I was super excited that you wanted to be on. And we, I always like fuck up this last part. Well, it's awkward to do an outro, as you know, from (laughs) me doing an outro. All right, you guys, give us a like, subscribe to our channel, and we'll see you guys in the next one.